0: Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Baron and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from the OneRing.com: Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine, and Dan Coates.
1: Thanks for joining us today as we explore Tolkien. Again, on this brand-newly-named podcast, exploring Tolkien through all the ages of Middle-earth. We are no longer just a window. We are fully exploring. <laughs> We're moving on.
0: We're full explorers.
1: That's right. We're like the Lewis and Clark, not the... I don't know.
0: Who's so which one of us is Pocahontas? <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, Elizabeth Warren is not joining us this week.
0: So, And just like that, demonetized. <laughs> I'm going back to the window. I'm just going to look out the window.
1: I'm going to look out the window. <laughs> the window for a while. <laughs> Things have taking a downturn. No, 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 no. All right, but hey, we are we're past the, the Silmarillion proper. We're into the downfall of Numenor. Everything that is true and good that was displayed in Amazon's Rings of Rings of Power. But first, uh, Dan here to my left today, uh, well, my right on the screen, and uh, good to have you, Michael, joining hey. us as well. Looking dapper as ever. Mm. Once in a while. <laughs> Once in a while. And um, you guys joining us here, uh, along with our members who are uh, in our Discord chat, sending us questions and giving us, we're, we're doing a um, a book club and reading through, we're going to start uh, on May 11th, which I guess is going to be uh, tomorrow, uh, day after tomorrow for when this comes out. And we're reading through this. This is an old copy of the book. This is Stephen R. Lawhead's book, Taliesin. And um, it's going to be made into a TV series. So we thought what, a, what, what better time than now to actually read through it. We're doing two chapters every week or two. I, I can't remember, but, um, Lynn and I are, are, um, <clears throat> spearheading that. And, uh, I'm excited to actually read through all that every Thursday night, every other Thursday night, we're going to get on a video chat and uh, talk about the book. What we know it's a definitely good be. book.
0: Very fun. I'm sorry I will miss the first one. I will be in Ohio watching my daughter graduate wow. from college. Mm. So
1: That's a good reason. During the, during, during, while they're reading all the names, you can read those first two chapters of the book. Because <laughs> 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 uh, you'll be there for a while. I have, I have
0: video duties. So, oh, ho. Oh.
1: Mm. Yeah. Oh. I hope it's a good seat, and I hope it's more interesting than some of the graduations I've been to. It won't be, but I will be very ha- happy,
0: happy well, to, uh, to ma- see our daughter.
1: Unlike Michael, you can have a good time. By becoming a member for $4 a month, the first month is free, or you can do what Adam and Lynn and Chook did, which is uh, give us a little bit more and become a sponsor and uh, get your name in bright lights here below, down there. Um, but we're ha- glad to have you along. Uh, and uh, the first month is free, so if you don't like it, you can just move forward. So we're going to move on into oh and don't forget give us a review on itunes give us a review on apple podcasts man itunes i can't get that out of my head apple podcasts google podcast spotify everywhere else that you listen to this podcast we would really appreciate it
0: especially if you want to give us five stars
1: five stars are the best yeah if you're going to give us a one star then go somewhere else please you're probably not even listening anymore because we have lost your interest by this point so we're moving on we're moving on into a calabeth the downfall of numenor the rings of Pa- well, you know, that's kind of <laughs> the dark cloud surrounding this now is that we we kind of have to talk about the rings of power and what it means to this and how they how, how they change things and and what our response was and why some people are like well why are you upset so upset about the rings of power what what what, what why would you even be upset with them doing Tolkien again and you're like well have you read anything have you discovered what tolkien actually wrote and uh to them um they don't care because it's not it it, it's it's not like it's something new to them it's like they don't expect that tolkien actually wrote this that it's the lord of the rings it's just sort of like some back history some notes that he has somewhere else well no this is a long story here there's a long long additional stories in uh the uh, histories of middle earth and unfinished tales and so we'll definitely get more into the rings of power, uh, especially in our extended podcast today. So, if you want that extended podcast, yeah, you've got to become a member again. Go to the one com slash
0: member to do that. But just as a teaser, one of the reasons, probably the main reason, that I was so upset by what Amazon did was that as we would find out, we will f- and talk about in today's reading, which is the first half of the Ecalabeth. The Numenorians had a distinctive character of a variety, they had a variety of distinctive characters, but even in their downfall, what they sought the most was immortality. It was, it's it's the heart of what this great dialogue with the messengers from Manwe to say to them that we're going to discuss tonight. It is the defining feature of their character in terms of their struggle what they're struggling with they have great things they have uh, tremendous gifts but they struggle with this desire to be immortal and amazon did nothing with it like completely ignored what it. apparently we're supposed to believe from amazon is that what they really care about is their jobs being taken by elves
1: <laughs> by one elf
0: one elf right one elf. the elf is going to take all their jobs all their gerbs so so that's <laughs> this is i mean if you're gonna miss the boat Pun intended, because this is a Numenor. If you're going to miss the boat, what, you, you, Amazon does it in fabulous style, because the entire boat is the Numenorians, Their downfall comes because of their desire for immortality, and we see nothing of that in, in Amazon, um, which is just sad. So anyway, more to talk about. Yeah, lots of it in the extended podcast. Yeah, so.
1: and I'm sure we'll get into next into it next week too. We're going to finish this up next week. Um, we're doing like the first third or so, and so we think it'll be split into two parts, maybe three if we have mm. a super long conversation, but uh, probably probably two parts. So so Dan, we, we are going to kick off with your big thought, but I'm going to have to give you a, a boundary here, and that is uh, it can't be about the rings of power.
2: Uh-oh. I think I, I think I can do that. All right. All right. Yeah, I think all I can right, do that. Okay, good. So
1: let's move forward then.
2: Into- Dead Big thought.: All right. We just finished the first age. We are now into the second age. And many of us have read about the third age and what happens there. And I'm noticing that there is the same theme that you can find throughout all of those ages, is that the, the good or the best always comes first. And then you kind of see a corruption that kind of happens where things aren't as good later on. And and you have, like, I think the cool swords they have in Lord of the Rings, they're all the way from Gondolin in the First Age. Um, because they're, right. they're, they're better made and they have cool spells cast on them. And there's nothing like this anymore. All the cool cities that are in Lord of the Rings, they were built by the Numenoreans a long time ago. And now they're falling into disrepair. Um, so you kind of see that in Numenor. So the men have their own island, which is pretty cool, and they're given longer life, and they are uh, in co- connection with the elves. And so they have like this really cool setup. Everything's going great. It's basically a, as as good as it gets. It's like a paradise. And you have these kings that are descended from Elros, and uh, which is Elrond's you mean brother,
1: Elros nine sixteen Yeah. <laughs> correct correct
2: <laughs> and and they they have the favor of the valar they have the favor of the elves they they basically have it made and as you read in this chapter they just they just get hung up on um over time as as things go on and 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 they go down the line of of kings they get to a king where uh, is it is tar and kelimon or something like that or that sounds uh, so it sounds like so sounds something something like that um, but they basically kind of just decide or that or they kind of have a split between the faithful and those that just don't trust the Valar anymore, don't trust the elves anymore. Um, they're envious of their their immortality, and they have this fear of death, this this cloud, the shadow that surrounds the fear of death. And it it, it allows them to become corrupted and um, it's, it's it's just interesting to me that the Numenoreans serve as as like that's like the high point for a man in Tolkien's Middle Earth like that that's as good as it gets and it 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 steadily drops off.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to find. There's a line that he says that directly in here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thus the years passed and while Middle Earth went backward and light faded, light and wisdom faded. So even there, he's talking about Middle Earth, I guess, and not uh, Numenor. But in Middle Earth things had already started going backwards mm-hmm. um, even though you know there weren't many good men i guess left in middle earth at that point or the, the green elves were the ones that were left from assyrian that went into mirkwood um, or greenwood the great at the time um,
0: yeah i think it it seems to be talking about men there right yes, it is uh, interesting but it's that's interesting what that
1: the... too is that the, the height of men was numenor and then it yep kept fading
0: yeah, it is a, it is almost like i agree with you dan it is almost like the the uh, Calibeth and the Second Age is a reset. Like the First Age, you had the mm-hmm. First Age and the, you had all the great things in the First Age, and they went downhill. And the Second Age is a reset, and now, now it's about men, and the height of men is in the Second Age in in, mm-hmm. in Numenor, and then they so, get, it all goes downhill from there.
1: So, why do you think why do you think that is? Is that like you know, is that entropy? Is that the state of the world that things start better and then descend into you know destruction and madness and uh, less artistry? You know we, we we start with um uh with the statue of of david and we end up with a banana taped to a wall <laughs> somewhere. you know yeah. that's 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 kind of where we yeah. are now but what wh- why do you think that that that's how tolkien sets it up and let me hmm. let me ask one more thing is it is that also like just the state of man because you know, the height of your age is not the end of your age. You don't get greater necessarily. You, you could mentally, I guess, get greater, but for your physical fitness, your even your mental acuity, right? It, it says, uh, I can't remember who held on forever. Um, <clears throat> maybe it was Taran Kalimon too. But, you know, he held on uh, until yep. his wits had abandoned him or something along those yeah, lines. He was the oh, first,
0: well. the 13th Lord of the 13th do you think that's? Team.
1: Do you think that's? this is uh, Tolkien's, analysis of the world, or is it, um, it, it, it yeah. seems,
2: it seems like he's saying something about our nature that we, um, we forget what came before us. We have chronological snobbery mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. and then we develop pride and we, we, we don't see what came before us. And it's, it's interesting, which, which is
0: one of the reasons that I love Tolkien so much. I have to say, because in Tolkien's, in our, and You know, as an historian, it's it seems a perennial issue that whenever I have conversations with people about what happened in the past, or at least um, folks in our culture in general, there's a presumption that what's now is more advanced, more enlightened, better than what was in the past, just because we happen to have higher technology, more more efficient technology, um, and and they pretty much assume that everyone that lived, for example, in the Middle Ages was just a just a um, blithering um, bigoted idiot and and there's it, it it gets tiresome to have to explain to people over and over again that this is not actually the way the world is and and the people that live in the middle ages probably had had um mental acuity the likes of which most moderns have don't have because we lean too much on our technology but in tolkien i don't have to worry about that because what's what came before in history is always better and it's mm-hmm. it's clear he makes it clear that that's the case uh, so it's I, I i and i love the numenorians i love their culture what i do find interesting is the source of their greatness right so we have been talking past the past few weeks past few episodes about the men in a variety of ways we've talked about hurin and his sons and um huor and his sons and their lines which eventually ended up in arandil but also ended up in Turin, so you have tragedy and glory. But the men, the Adain, prior to the War of Wrath, don't seem to be especially enlightened or great. They they do seem to have some virtue, and especially the ones that's, that moved west, met the elves, and stuck with them. But there is plenty of men, as the beginning of this chapter reminds us, in fact most of the men that fought on the side of morgoth not on mm-hmm. the side of of the elves and the valar so but even of the men that did we don't find them to be particularly uh, with the exception of a couple of moments we don't find them or a couple of figures we don't find them to be particularly impressive in the first age um, mm-hmm. but then what we have is this paragraph where he said he's talking about what happened after the war of wrath and it said and it talks about the seeds that Morgoth had planted growing and sprouting and bearing evil fruit, if any would tend him, even though Morgoth himself is locked behind the doors of night. And so the, it says, this the lords of the west, that's the valor, knew full well. When therefore Morgoth had been thrust forth, they held council concerning the ages that should come. The Eldar, oh, I have two thoughts. The Eldar they summoned to return to, into the west, and those that hearkened to the summons dwelt in the Isle of erasea <clears throat> blah 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 okay to the fathers of men those all those elves blah you know whatever we've, we've been talking about elves this whole time so we're into it's into
1: of blah blahs instead of the and elves now all right
0: <laughs> <laughs> more about the and elves all right to the fathers of men of the three faithful houses rich reward also was given a came among them and taught them and they were given wisdom and power in life more enduring than any others of mortal race have possessed for whatever reason i have this weird memory when i was a kid and i first read this that i kind of implanted in my head that somehow the grace and the power of the Numenorians was um, from the fact that they were descended from elros who was half elven and that even seems to match because so many of the characteristics that we'll now hear about how, what makes the el the Numenorians gr- great and powerful is very elven. Like these characteristics, mm. like you no know, illness and farsightedness and few children and long life, you yeah. know, not, not immortal. Um, but it's clear here that that greatness was a gift. So you have the Adain here from the first age and then they're, lifted up to this level by a and the gifts of the valar so the Valar actually give them blessings that make them long-lived i mean what does that mean that's really interesting like you have men that weren't long-lived or they and then, then all of a sudden now they live hundreds of years mm-hmm. so so you have the direct intervention of the valar a wisdom we can understand like we can teach you stuff okay so you can yeah. teach you you can be taught but power and long life seem to be supernatural or spiritual blessings that are, that are not explained just by, you know, we talked to, to this guy, uh, Aonwe, and learned this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or we, we, we talked with the elves yeah, and learned, they, learned they, how they, to do, do these crafts.
1: They gave them a different physical manifestation than other men. They were taller. Yes. And they were stronger.
0: And they were morally better. They, they all of a sudden become men of peace, right? Mm. Mm. They don't, they don't turn to war immediately or even though they have the ability um, to them to do so. For the Adain became mighty in crafts so that if they had the mind, they could easily have surpassed the evil kings of Middle-earth in the making of war and the forging of weapons. So it's reminding us, Tolkien's reminding us, back in Middle-earth, there's all these evil kings that are there still mm-hmm. of men. But they were become men of peace. Above all arts, they nourished shipbuilding and sea craft and they became mariners whose like shall never be again since the world was diminished and voyaging upon the wide seas was the chief feat and adventure of their hardy men in the gallant days of their youth hmm. so it's really it's fascinating
2: yeah well something that stuck out to me um kind of going back to the idea of like the greater things came first uh, for tolkien um, what we read in this chapter is that they they are drawn to the island of Numenor by the light that they see from Eärendil. Um, that they're they're basically looking west and they see see it up in the sky and that draws them to it. And that's so that light is a copy of the light that comes from the two trees in Valinor. You also have a, a copy of a tree, a, like a seedling of the white tree, that's brought to Numenor. And it seems like Tolkien has this way of connecting all the three ages because you see the the tree and the light show up in Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings, too. I thought that was a really interesting detail.
0: Hmm. That's right. Yeah. The White Tree of Gondor is, <clears throat> as it turns out, I have a note about this, a fifth-generation tree from Telperion. So, and Tolkien lays it out. So we have Telperion, the, the silver tree of the two trees, and then we have um, Telperion has what did I I'm going to have to? Oh, there we go. Um, so then from Telperion comes the white tree on the top of the tuna, which is in the land of Valinor mm-hmm. technically, although outside the ring of mountains. So that tree is Galathilion. So that's the second generation white tree. And then the third generation white tree is Celeborn, not to be confused with the, uh, husband of Galadriel. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the name of the tree that's on Tol Arisaia, which is the island, which is not in Valinor, but is off the coast of Valinor. And then Nimloth, as you just mentioned, Dan, is fourth generation. That's the white tree brought from Celeborn to Numenor. And then the white tree of Gondor is the fifth generation, brought from Nimloth. So no, wait, um, but
1: yes. and, they, and and at the end of the Return of the King, it's the sixth generation.
0: Yep. Yep. Because they find right. the seedling. So there's a seedling that's up in the mountains hmm. above Gondor. So you have six generations of trees. By the end of Return of the King, six generations of trees hmm. from Telperion, one of the two trees. So pretty cool. Very Even, amongst, even for trees, Tolkien has a lineage. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't sing. <laughs> they do not sing.
1: Unless they're ants. Yeah. They kind of
0: so did you guys cry. catch... Uh, the, the connection i've i've discovered this is my great like i was the moment of discovery in this reading i, re- I realized star Vic. wars and middle earth are connected
1: Andor yeah <laughs> the
0: they, first name for the I, island of numenor it was andor <laughs> and then i watched that sh- that series and i'm like what have they done to my boy <laughs> yeah. you, you know i
1: mean um Andor was did they have, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a name uh, George Lucas came up with in the 70s after having read the Lord of the Rings and then I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> either because it was very popular there in the mid 70s still hey let me let me bring up let's so let's take a little bit of a step back and talk a little bit about Numenor itself and the geography of this year I have this uh, great oh, picture yeah, this cool. from the uh, from the Atlas of Middle-earth that that shows what Numenor looked like where it is exactly and even if you can see here uh if you're watching on uh on youtube or rumble uh you can see here the outline of Beleriand under the waves the lands under the waves over here and and what it all looked like which is which is great but and then you can see mordor over here on the right and then we get sort of a little bit more of um artistic license i would say with what happens over here to the right in the inner seas and these dark lands but you can see Numenor is out all by itself it's not middle earth it's not <clears throat> valinor it's itself it has its own name and you can see why the, it's called the what the the isle the mm-hmm, the star the isle of the star what do they call it remind me the exact Tol right. no 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 uh, numenor is the the name numenor they also gave it and do there's, no, there's there's five names yeah
0: it has. It's Ondor land of gift. That's the first one, right. and then it's Elena, which is Star Wars. Star. That's the one right there. And there's there's Annaduné, um, and then Westerness, and then Numenore. Yeah.
1: So it looks like a star. I mean, that's. Yep. That's kind of, mm. it's about. And we can see that it's that it's only about a a day's journey away from the lands <laughs> the lands of Mordor in this a brisk <laughs> swim a, sorry
0: a brisk swim if you're
2: again
1: involved. we'll talk more about the rings of power at the uh in our extended <laughs> podcast here I'm just,
2: I'm just wondering why you gave me all these uh restrictions and you brought it up like three or four times <laughs> uh, now so this
1: is not a big thought this is a stupid thought i was you know you okay you, uh, all right
2: that's uh, fair that's fair, fair. your big okay. thoughts
1: can't no big thoughts contain the rings of power no, only no abject horrible realizations of the failure that that show actually was
2: no problem uh, <laughs> it's your show it's your show no, you do what you our want show. Our show.
1: Our show. <laughs> so anyway i thought this was a great a great uh image of so you know when looking at this here like one it was actually kind of closer to uh, uh valnor here and to toler you can see it over here which i think they said that they could see toler on a clear day
0: um they there yeah there or, were two ways that you could see toler so they Said from the top of Menel Tarma, which is the mountain, and also that doubles as the temple Probably. for the or the hill for worshiping Iluvatar, the one place on Middle Earth where right Middle there Earth in the yep, middle. I'm guessing. Yep. Um, and and so from the top of that, on a clear day, with if you were far sighted, and it, it tells us that the Numenorians had far sightedness, the likes of which makes it akin to the elves. I sh- I, I have to mm. say, having having read other places yeah. in. Uh, so, the top there, or if you were on a tall ship at the edge of where you were allowed to go, which I presume is kind of like the shadowy seas where you could because mm. you couldn't leave the site of Numenor, the men were not allowed to um sail west beyond the site of Numenor itself, so so um but apparently, on a clear day with good eyesight, you could see Tolarcea from a ship out in the west to the west of Numenor
1: mm. yeah, yeah, it's funny that um. Well, Numenor, you know, we all know, and, and Numenor, let's, let's take a little step back further. Numenor is kind of uh, is Tolkien's tale of Atlantis in a way mm-hmm. because it is swallowed by the waves, by the oceans, and it is a great civilization. Uh, <clears throat> Tolkien ne- does
0: seem to have a thing of having land swallowed by waves. <laughs> I
1: know, right? Everything gets destroyed in the end. That is the catastrophe that will lead eventually to some catastrophe. The, <laughs> the whole point of Numenor was to get um, uh, the faithful to sail back to Middle Earth and destroy Sauron. It was their destiny. Mm. It was their predestiny, Mm. right, Dan? Mm.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That's that's what Calvin says. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he talks a
0: lot about Middle Earth, does he? (laughs) Oh man! Um,
1: So 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 the first part of this chapter is is a recap of what we already know. I don't think we have to go through that. The second the second part, I would say, is the. the historical facts about Numenor and the Numenor, Numenorians, where they came from, we've, we've touched on that already. And then the third part is the third part of, of what we're reading today, or what we read through, is um, what happened to them, and why did they, why did their um, desire for long life lead to their to the changes wrought within their society? Right, because eventually the one of the first signs was that nobody would the the kings wouldn't go up anymore to the mental Tarma, right? They wouldn't. They wouldn't uh, give Eru his due. The first is it the first yeah we haven't fruits? read that yet, but yeah yeah.
0: So, um, but it does it does make reference to the first fruits. It is interesting. I mean, it is like, Tolkien's clearly referencing things that are you know right at the beginning of Genesis. In this regard, it's almost yeah. like the men the men are are this. Not pre fall, they clearly the fall has happened, and he makes that clear that the fall happened before the elves ever met the men. The fall happened back in the east um, when Morgoth came upon the men, found the men first.
1: So let me ask you this: Uh, This happens. uh, Tolkien wrote this. Above all arts, I think you already read this, Michael. Above all arts, they nourished the shipbuilding and seacraft, and they became mariners whose like shall never be again seen. uh, Whose whose like shall never be again since the world was diminished. They are great, and they love the sea as well. What is it is, is it? is it?
0: You're going to go Rings of Power, aren't you? No, I'm not. Okay, good. I
1: mean, I'm not, I'm not even <laughs> going to say that. But what is it that, that Tolkien does? Right, These great societies were always seafaring. And that, I mean, hmm. that's right. the Tulare. The um, I mean, the, the longest lasting ones, they were always seafaring. And there was that sea longing, like we talked about in, in our uh, uh, live stream. Yeah. That, um, there is something internal to the elves, but I guess also maybe since they were touched by the valor, there's something internal to the Numenorians that um, they had a longing for the sea. If you read uh, the story of Aldarion and with the half-told tale and unfinished tales about um, Aldarion, who could not, who could not not leave his wife, right? He had to go um, to the sea. It was stronger than any. Um, love that he had for any human being at all, he had to go to the sea for years at mm-hmm. a time. What is mm-hmm. it about that love of the sea that was so important to Tolkien? Is it his, uh, uh, you know, uh, his, his <laughs> It was an unrequited love that he loved the sea and it didn't love him back, and so. He <laughs> I, I
0: am not sure, yeah. um, but it is clear. You know, he even has Olmo be the one Valar. The Lord of the Waters is the one Valar faithful, most faithful to men mm. um, and elves, mm. after, mm-hmm. even after their fall. You know, he's he, there's there's this true love. I mean, why did the men, as you pointed out, why do the have live on an island and become a maritime culture? Why did the Valar set them up that way? They could have just established them on the lands of middle earth they didn't have to they didn't have to be on this island out in the middle of the ocean um Mm. so so and and clearly later on the numenoreans do settle on middle earth there's nothing contrary to their nature to do so but they but they were set up as this sea this uh, i i like to think in my head canon that Olmo has something to do with this moment of setting yeah. up the Numenorians. Yeah. I like to think that his love of the people's, the children of Iluvatar, both the first and second children of Iluvatar is strong and, and his influence is here.
2: Yeah. It seems like the way that the firstborn and the secondborn children of Iluvatar, the way that they connect to the song is by the music and the water. That hmm. they, they The way that they are in touch with the Valar seems to be through water. Yeah. And it, it's it's that way all the way through the Cimmerillion, too, right? And I guess you I guess you could say that's because Olmo is is taking a hand and being more involved. But um, you well don't, maybe you know maybe that any... might be a
0: ch- chicken and egg question too, right? Sure, it might, yeah, it might be that the song in the waters is is the
2: reason why Olmo is taking so much of a hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think there's something about like just being uh, like the 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 ocean being an ocean faring culture. It just seems like you're. You're on mission. Like you're, you're, you have an adventure in front of you, Mm. you know? And it's like you're not, you're not just content and just sitting in one place and you're just getting fat and rich. And, but that, that that kind of ends up what the Numenoreans turn into. They just become like this materialist culture. They said their kings go to Middle Earth and just, and just take tribute from people and bring it, yeah. yeah, to bring it back. And so it's all about just building up stuff there on the island. And I think early on, though, the, the new, what made the Numenoreans great is that they're just seafarers and they're just going out and exploring. and
1: Right. And they set up these great uh, uh, ports uh, on the shores of Middle Earth that yeah. were glorious and th- that, that were renowned and not centers of plundering. Right. They weren't right. the, the forced goodwill deposit boxes on the side of air for everybody. There to sit there. <laughs> I want to talk about, too, about the ban. The ban against the men of Numenor to sail
0: west. Well, can we, because that comes in the the second part of this reading. Can can we say a couple things in the the first part? I wanted wanted to do two things. First, I wanted to reference our live stream from last Friday. So if you guys, if people are listening to this, haven't had a chance, go check out that live stream. because. And it was
1: in the, I I actually put it in the podcast too. So it it, uh, came out uh, like, I would say Sunday, like the 30th of April, I think. Okay. it out so you can listen to yep.
0: it yep right so here. it was a great discussion i loved talking to everyone there um, one of the things that came up in that discussion which was really interesting it was kind of a question was one of the 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 speakers there which is middle earth mixer he was saying that he thought that it was that the valar that all of the elves belonged back in valinor and that he implied that he, even the um, the, the ones that refused to call, the Moriquendi, who didn't make it all the way to Valinor, were in fact doing something wrong, that the Eldar belonged in Valinor. And um, to support a little bit that point, but also raises some questions, I wanted to read this quote, which I actually read already, but I'm just going to focus on the first part of it. Um, the the Eldar, this is after the Bat War of Wrath, the Eldar, they, that's the Valar, summoned to return into the west and those that hearkened to the summons dwelt in the Isle of Arasea. <clears throat> okay. My question, coming off of Middle-earth Mixer's comment, because that it wasn't my understanding. My understanding wasn't that elves belonged in the we- in Valinor, at least at first. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could make that argument after the changing of the world, but, um, but that at first um, it, was a, it was an invitation, and there might have even been some, a mis- a, somewhat of a mistake to that invitation. At least we've talked about that in previous episodes. But my question is, the, the Lord, the Eldar they summoned to return into the West, it doesn't qualify that, which means that they invited all the Eldar to return to the West. Or do, or do you guys think they mean just the ones that used to dwell in the West because those are the only ones that can return? Did they invite the Sindar to come to, to did they invite the Sylvan Elves to come to Valinor? What do you think?
1: I, I think they they probably did. Uh, the Noldor definitely,
0: because the Noldor had come no, from.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I would say that because I, I think there was a, you know originally there was a large contingent that decided to stay, yeah. Um, and there is you know a large contingent that never that never made a move either. But I think they were all originally invited. Is, am I right in saying that? Were they all yeah.
0: originally invited? Yep. To, to all come? the elves, all I mean, aside from the stragglers that Morgoth got before yeah. May so arrived. They were all
1: so why wouldn't they invite them a second time if they weren't mm-hmm. you know if they if they weren't the Noldor then, you know, for sure they could come. So I I would say yes, without any like What's uh,
0: fascinating to me is does that mean they sent messengers to, all the way to Greenwood the Great and invited all the elves that were there? Aionway come...
1: is pretty fast. He could make it.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, Arome has been been there before, but Arome. but um, there's there's I mean they're all fasted. I don't I don't think there's a problem. <laughs> um, but there's a but it's interesting to me because it never Tolkien never talks about any of that. He seems to be focused on the elves in Beleriand, or who had dwelled in Beleriand before it became the land under the waves. Yeah. And, and so it's fascinating to me, like, which elves are all of the elves called back? And does that mean therefore that they're not doing what they're supposed to, even the Sylvan elves who are, sp- are supposed to be in Valinor and they're just hanging out in Mirkwood? Um, it's fat. I, yeah. I, I, I
1: don't, is it, but I mean, supposed to is kind of a, a pregnant phrase. Like, are they really supposed like how much, by, is the invitation a, an invitation um, by your parents to say, Hey, let's, uh, it's time to get going guys. Why don't we go now?
0: It's not really an invitation no that's not an it's invitation a, right like good
1: put point your shoes on we're gonna go
0: good point uh, jonathan so there's two sides there's two parts to this the first part is was the invitation a universal invitation i always thought <laughs> that it wasn't that it was just for the elves that <laughs> had been in valinor first but maybe not maybe it was a universal invitation to all the elves a second part of it is it not really an invitation, but was really kind of a command, a soft command, um, by yeah. the but that was then ignored by a lot of the elves the, well, that were the green elves.
1: We, yeah, we don't get really any information about what, what happens to the elves in Valinor on this in the second age or third age, right? There's no stories right. of them there, and there's no stories. Other than the sea longing that there that there is inherent, right, and this is part of I guess part of the right. discussion. Sea longing that even is in somewhat the Green Elves because Legolas hears the call of the gulls and his heart is turned towards the sea. Um, I think it's a universal in elves, but I, I think it's universal. Um, and the question is then, the, like what we discussed there, is the sea longing a part of wanting to go to Valinor, or is it, or, or is it because the sea is the closest thing to? Um, the music of the Ainur, the the, right, the echoes of the music are still are uh, in the the seas and the rivers and the right. the lakes. I have to admit, I fall
0: I fall on this on on the second of those options because because I see a lot of elves that go to the sea and never go to Valinor or don't yeah. dwell in Valinor. Yeah. They just end up sailing around the coasts or living on the coast yeah. of Valinor, the coast of Middle Earth, or Tol Arisaia, and they don't actually dwell in Valinor um, with with the Yeah, me too. Me too. But anyway, so that was an interesting connection to our live stream from last time. But then I wanted to also talk about the nature of the people of Numenor, because I think we need to be clear about like what made them different? Are they just they just happen to have this cool island that stays shaped like a star? Star shaped island. Yay. It's like a lucky <laughs> lucky charms prize. I'm like you get an island you get shaped like island. a star. Um yeah. And the answer is no, of course. So they have wisdom, power and long life, as we've already read. It, Let it's, me ask: What it, it is power?
1: More. Is power does that mean strength, height, uh, physical prowess? Is that what the power is, or is it power over other creatures? Because they don't really have power over anything when they're in Numenor. It's not like they don't have to tame the land. they, they, they uh, As uh, in, if you read in the Fall of Numenor. Uh, which takes about all the bits of the histories of Middle Earth that speaks about Numenor and puts puts it into that book. I'll put the link below, but uh, it talks about how they pretty much lived in harmony with all the animals there. Right,
0: right. Well, so i i took I take the word power there to be not in the Marxist sense, which is domination of others, like you just said. I take power to be the original sense of the word power, which uh, from the Greeks is potency. It comes the same word potential. Mm-hmm. It's the ability to do. You are able to, and and Colking and mm. very clearly calls that out in the passage we already read, where he says they could have, for example, surpassed the evil kings of Middle-earth in the making of war and forging of weapons. So they had the ability to do so. They chose not to exercise it in that case. They have the ability to be the greatest mariners. They exercise that ability and power. So, And I see it. So we think of power, too, in a physical strength. I think they were, in fact, that. And we have plenty of passages that will later on point to but the one of them it says they grew um th- and they were tall taller than the tallest of the sons of middle earth and the light of their eyes was like the bright stars mm-hmm. i presume that they weren't tall skinny and useless i presume tallness ha- has has to do with they it gave wasn't the, the low stuff. gravity that uh... right it wasn't the the marsh they weren't martians like you know weak <laughs> but tall and thin um so so they knew no sickness so this is another difference very interesting they cannot get sick so no no sick days in that job that you're scared about stealing the elves stealing um and like
1: (laughs) the elves they had very few children
0: yes yes so they were wise they're glorious and they were um their numbers increased only slowly as you just mentioned jonathan for though the sons and daughters were born to them fairer than their fathers yet their children were few i was like yeah i feel like an adane my children are all better looking than I am, which is good, <laughs> which I'm really glad of. Um, yeah, except
1: you have like 16 of them, 8 and 23, 45.
0: That's why it's amazing that they're all better looking than me. <laughs> so anyway, there's there's a, uh, <clears throat> there's, it's, it's to me, so let's, let's tick them off right here, right? So they become wise, mm-hmm. they become taller, <laughs> yeah, longer lived, yep. glorious, whatever that means. Um they, they don't have die of disease no they're disease they have power. fewer children they have the ability They have the greatest crafters that middle earth has ever seen um and in fact they're just becoming like noldor <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> they're, right they're they're it's interesting they're they're just becoming elven like um at least until they're Noontide, and and then they begin to diminish after that but we'll we'll get to that later
1: there's something yeah you, you know you said you said the noldor and and um I, kind of got to jump forward a little bit but what struck me a parallel between the Numenorians and how they they fell into uh evil essentially they they greedily clung to their life right that was mm-hmm. that was their failure they greedily clung to their life because they didn't yep. want it to uh you know to to turn into nothingness they what they they the this, their, the state of their bodies was a, was, uh, was an evil to them. Right. And, and in the same way, so they greedily clung to it, they wanted to preserve it in the same way that the Noldor wanted to preserve the things that were in the world. Oh, the so, craft
0: and the craft of their hands and, and right? the
1: craft of their hands. Right. Well, well, that's what I mean. It's like the things they built or the, like, uh, Gondolin for instance, and Doriath that yep. comes to mind. Yep. Um, and so there, there's a similarity between the two. One, they the, the one thing that, that they, the one thing that they are afraid of losing their life. That's what they cling to the most. The one thing that the nodor are afraid of losing the art and the the things of their hands that they've built. They cling to the most. Um, and to me, that was a, an interesting parallel between the two. And oh, that's that, fascinating. That that, that 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 incapability of n- not letting it go is is both of their downfalls.
0: That's right, and and that's something that they pass on. In the, in the Lord of the Rings, which I guess you got to fast forward, what, 6,000 years from now?
1: 2,000 plus like three, yeah, like five. <laughs> Two and a half 50, plus three, so
0: 5,500 years. Yeah. Denethor still has that. Mm-hmm. The, the stewards of Gondor, even the lesser men, uh, uh, descendants of greater men of the, in the Numenorian still have that clinging to immortality, the seeking after immortality. And it's funny that you mentioned that. Jonathan's really fascinating because now I see more parallels. Hmm. What brings about the downfall of the dwarves? They delved too greedily and too, deep too deeply, and, yeah, in Moria. They're, they're, it's their desire for things. It's like the Men's desire for power, um, and they, which is why they fall and become ringwraiths. And this um, is why
1: it, Galadriel passes the test because she's giving up the. the the desire for the preservation of her land
0: right and she will diminish and go into into the west West. yeah um so which is fascinating right because in the west she's going to be happier and she's going to be filled with the light of the valinor she's going to be in one sense almost more powerful i guess maybe but but not but not in another sense because she says i will diminish so she Mm -hmm. has to diminish in order to become great again um in the west but then she'll just be like in Middle Earth, she's the last Noldor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's um, literally the last Noldor. I think Glorfindel, I guess. So, um, but he's resurrected, so she's the last unresurrected Noldor. Um, is there another one? Am I well, missing
1: one? Uh, Arwen is kind of she's partial because so the granddaughter.
0: So, yeah, from the line of Elrond, but even he is only nine sixteenth Noldor. So yeah, she's she's the
1: only uh, pure blood.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Galadriel is the last, the last pure Noldor in Middle-earth. So, so, so it's fascinating. It's really, um, well, I guess, Glorfindel is is full Noldor, (laughs) but he's a different case. So, so, so there's a, there's a, uh, there's a real Tolkien, a theme in Tolkien that I just never picked out. That's great. Good catch on that one. Hmm,
1: Thanks. Um, Yeah. So, so let's get into that whole idea of what, what happens I think, to the, to the Numenorians, right? The...
0: Yep. So Elros is their first king, and he actually lives 500 years, of which he rules for. And by the way, interesting fact, they don't choose him. At the feet of the mountains were built the tombs of the kings. So this is the foreshadowing of their clinging to power. But at in the, in the first place, it wasn't it wasn't a, a, a bad thing. So this is at the foot of the mountain of Metal Tarma. So they worship Iluvatar on top of the mountain, at the mm-hmm. foot of the mountain where they worship God. Is their tombs of their kings, and hard by upon a hill was Armenelos fairest of cities, and there stood a tower and a citadel that was raised mm-hmm. by Elros, son of deal whom the Valar appointed to be the first king mm-hmm. of the Dúnedain. Duned- so, so um, there, so Elros is not chosen by the people; he is chosen by the Valar, and it, I mean, fair enough. The Valar give them the island. The Valar give them. Power and long life and wisdom. So the Valar give them their first king, too, who's Elros, And he rules for 410 years of his 500 years. So presumably he was 80 or so before he took the throne.
1: It means he lived for one fifth, essentially, of the life of Numenor. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, well, he could have. Uh, he, it depends on how old he was once Numenor. I guess he was very young. He was like 510 when Numenor was established. Who knows? Um, yeah and then they have this argument. They um they speak is it the Teleri that they speak with? Mhm. And uh they have this problem. This is what Tolkien wanted to make clear in um oh gosh, what's the name of that in the history of Middle-earth? The talk between I think it's uh Finrod and the Athrabeth, I believe it's called. It. Uh where where the like the humans have this idea that they're going to a magic land where they will live forever. But as um, the Eldar said to them, there you would but wither and grow weary the sooner as moths in a light too strong and, too st- and steadfast. In the same way that, that, that Tolkien hints at the fact that uh, Luthien flamed out quicker, right? It's better to burn out bright than to fade away. Flamed out quicker because she wore the Silmaril. So something about the light of the trees uh, makes men wither and grow weary sooner do they is it the the sheer beauty of the light of the valnor of the glory of the the valar that makes them wither and grow weary sooner what is it about about this land that makes them die faster and does not give them the obviously the the long life is simply the state of their being for for the elves it the men are not tied to the world like the elves are so they die and they their, their souls move away from it right um but what is it about valinor that causes them to wither and grow weary the sooner and they're like don't even come here we're actually warning you this is not a good idea you shouldn't you shouldn't even be trying to come here because you're just going to die sooner which is clearly not what you want to have happen uh i don't know do you guys have a thought about that about what why would they wither and grow weary sooner Hmm. what is it about the light what is it about valinor what is it about that i don't I, i honestly i have no clue that i couldn't find anything that says this is why
0: Right.
2: Yeah, well seems, I, I, go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was just gonna say it seems like in at least the way Tolkien has set up men in his tale, that their ultimate end, their ultimate purpose is to end up separating from the earth to go somewhere else. Right. And it seems like when they are if they were exposed to that light, if they were exposed to that that blessed land, it seems like they would just become more of what they're supposed to be. Maybe that's, hmm. too, maybe that's too spiritualizing it, Their but...
1: body would drive themselves to leave the earth sooner because yeah. that's their that is the natural state of their being. It, I like it. That.
2: Se- it seems like they're just like an attempt. You know, it's just a temporary situation. They're they're on this earth for a limited period of time, but their ultimate purpose is to go somewhere else, hmm.
0: right? Which the messengers, I mean, you have strong text to support that position, Dan. The messengers from the Valar say that to the questioning Numenorians. They say. The Eldar, you say, are unpunished, and even those who rebelled do not die. Yet that is to them neither reward nor punishment, but the fulfillment of their being. Mm-hmm. They cannot escape and are bound to this world, never to leave it so long as it lasts, for its life is theirs. That one sentence is is powerful in the metaphysical world of Tolkien. He's, the the messengers from, uh, from Manwe are laying out a very clear truth about the elves and what their nature is they're bound to the earth it's not their it's not a punishment or reward to be immortal it's just the way they are Mm -hmm. and now then it goes on and this is the part that jives exactly with what you were saying dan and you are punished for the rebellion of men you say in which you had small part and so it is that you die in other words so that first sentence is they're just um the messengers are just repeating what the men claim the messengers aren't saying that this is the truth he just says you you say you're punished for the rebellion of men you didn't have much pardon it, and, and so you die for this rebellion. But it, he's about to say that's not true. But that was not at first appointed for a punishment. Thus, you escape and leave the world and are not bound to it in hope or in weariness. Which of us therefore should envy the others? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and they, they, at, so they, they turn it on them. Mm. It's really interesting because they're actually giving a different perspective, which elves can have, and probably some elves do, which is the men, the elves can't escape the circle of the world. They're bound here forever, mm. for good or ill, no matter what they do. But the men can escape the the circles of the world of the world, and they do yeah. in death.
1: Right. And and the elves, they get tired of it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're stuck. It's like, it's like solitary confinement, right? Yeah, this is the only place you'll ever be as far as we know. And, uh, and it's, it's no fun to just be weary of the same thing over and over and over again. I mean, what is Galadriel by the end of the third age? How old is she? I don't even remember. Seven, eight, by
0: the end of the third age, she is, oh, uh, depends on how much what the ages are befo- yeah. before the We'd first age. Calculate. But, but thousands but and thousands but of she's years. between six and seven thousand years old probably maybe more than yeah. seven thousand years old yeah
1: yeah you can imagine like uh you kind of seen it all like there's only so many times you can go back to paris to see the eiffel tower if you've done it five <laughs> times <laughs> that's before. right yeah. um yeah yeah um uh, the other line that struck me uh in regards to this from them uh from the from the eldar is it the eldar the messengers
0: yes it's
2: the
1: messengers. They should hope rather that in the end, even the least of your desires shall have fruit. Mm. The least of your desires shall have fruit. It's like oh, you don't right. have to be, you don't have to make the greatest things in the world. right you, you don't have to live forever in order to create something great. But even the least of your desires, that, that, that's what you should be striving for, is that your desires aren't worthless. You might be here for a short time, but um, they can have uh, a fruit that i I guess will you know and and to to stay with that will grow into uh greater things in the future that you may not see but it's Mm. it's valuable nonetheless
2: it's interesting to me that in tolkien's mythology um the men what's been allotted to them is to have faith that they Mm. they are to trust that is their that is their purpose on this side of death that the that that's their gift that they they are to trust and and have and have gratitude for what's been given to them and that's what happens to the new is that they decide you know what we don't want to trust, and we're not grateful you know they they stop going up to the mountain to give thanks to Eru at some point um it's very interesting um that for- at least as far as tolkien's I guess what, what would that be? Their, their, their ontology, like what they are, is mm. they, are, they are created to be thankful and to trust. And at some point, they just decide they don't want to do it.
1: <laughs> and that's, that might be right. the least of their desires is like to be faithful, but even just. And that
0: to is quote, four of us is required a blind trust and a hope without assurance, <laughs> knowing not what lies before us in a little while. And yet, we also love the earth and would not lose it. This is totally
1: reminiscent of uh, the athrobeth, oh, I can't remember the entire title of it, uh, in, in the Histories of Middle-earth where Finrod speaks with a human female who and they have this this in-depth philosophical discussion about life, death, long life, uh, leaving the circles of the world. Anyway, I didn't realize is, that this uh, was almost directly related to that.
2: Is that the one that we talked to with Austin Freeman? It's in Morgoth's Ring. I believe uh, so,
1: yeah. Yeah, yes. where we
2: yeah. were kind of talking about kind of like uh, the possibility of of Eru becoming a man or something i um, can't I can't remember it yeah
1: distinctly, but yeah, it might have been yeah
0: um, so that that vague point at which they stop worshipping is 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 foreshadowed, so this is the thirteenth king, so this is uh atenamir or Atanamir. i don 't know how where the which accent the syllable (laughs) should which syllable should be (laughs) accented Um, but uh but uh, tar atanamir um, and it says and they were proud men eager for wealth and they laid the men of middle earth under tribute taking now rather than giving Hmm. it was to tar -Atanamir, atanamir that the messengers came and he was the 13th king and in, and in his day, the realm of Numenor had endured for more than 2,000 years and was come to the zenith of its bliss, if not yet of its power. Hmm. And a little further down, thus the bliss of Westerness became diminished, but still its might and splendor increased. So Tolkien's distinguishing here. He's just said, hmm. the happiness is ending and the bliss is diminishing, but it's might so you can become more mighty and more powerful which the numenorians do in fact but less happy yeah. which is a a fantastic commentary on um morality and the, the the ends that men seek because might and power do not themselves bring happiness mm.
2: it seems but, like there's a connection to that too uh with with the other part of the that paragraph where it talks about the lords of Numenor, uh, they, they're not getting married until long, late, late in their long lives. And, and then you, you read about the kings that are hanging on to their power, even though their sons are ready to take it. It's, they're, they're, it's, 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 inter- it's interesting to me that their, their lack of gratitude and contentment manifests itself in their unwillingness to kind of have a family life and, and just be content on the island and have a family. I, I think that's kind of interesting, too. They, they want to build an empire. They want to have riches, but they don't want to enjoy it with anybody, it seems like. Well, and that, that was fascinating
0: to me, too, that it implied that what had happened before that is you have the king. For 12 kings before that, they would come into their power. And maybe this is why, actually, it's, it made a point that said that Elros lived to be 500, but ruled for 410 years which means mm-hmm. that he, there were 90 years he didn't rule. He was presumably quite young when he was captured in the last kin slain by the sons of Feanor. And so and it was soon after that that the War of Wrath happened. So he couldn't have been more than 20 or 30 when, when, when uh, Numenor is raised from the ocean. So he's made king. And that means that before he, di- he died, he let go of his power and gave it to his mm-hmm. son, Um, When he still had something like 50 years to go in his life. Hmm. So he's not, he's not holding on to the bitter Joe Biden. Oh, I mean the bitter, um, (laughs) (laughs) the, the bitter end of old age
2: and senility. Um, or, or as, is that the, is that the campaign slogan for this King? It's like, finish the job.
0: <laughs> finish the job. Well, that's, that's what I want see. I want, I want to see Biden 2024 sticker and I'm just going to, I'm going to Photoshop you know, it. And to say witless and unmanned. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Tolkien quote. <laughs> witless that, and un- that, unmanned. We should get a
1: Biden 2024 witless, <laughs> witless and, and, unmanned. and unmanned. Oh, my gosh. Hey, here's, uh, here's, the, here's what is in um, the Unfinished Tales that, that is written directly about Tar autonomy And I think it... it, it encapsulate him we get a very brief glimpse of who he is here but this is a longer paragraph so I'll, let me read this he was born in the year 1800 and ruled for 192 years until 2221 which was the year of his death Witless and unmanned, much is said of this king in the annals such as now survived the downfall for he was like his father proud and greedy of wealth and the Numenorians, in his service enacted heavy tribute from the men of the, the coasts of middle earth Uh, In his time, the shadow fell upon Numenor and the king and those that followed his lore spoke openly against the Ban of the Valar and their hearts were turned against the Valar and the Eldar. But wisdom they still kept and they feared the lords of the West and did not defy them. Atanemir is called also the unwilling for he was the first of the kings to refuse to lay down his life or to renounce the scepter. And he lived until death took him perforce in dotage. (laughs) Uh, That's great. Or we could you know, just have another one called dotage.
0: You know you what know, that reminds me of, Jonathan? Is It says, did not... Read that last part again. It says, oh. did not give up his life, but but waited. So It's not talking about his kingship there. It's talking about his life itself. Uh,
1: yeah, one second. You made me close the book when I was like... Uh, did I make you? You made it. You Sorry made it. about it's that. all your fault. <laughs> uh, 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 it's here. Tar. Here we go. No. Nope. The last part. You know... So um so how's the weather there? Well I find this thing. Here we go. All right. It it said um Atanamir is also called the unwilling, for he was the first of the kings to refuse to lay down his life or to renounce the scepter, and he lived until death took him perforce in dotage.
0: Okay. So he's the, f- it, it says two things. It distinguishes between the kingship and his life. He refused to lay down his life or hand over his scepter. Mm-hmm. Those are two different things. It reminds, just reminds me of what it says about Aragorn in his, in the Return of the King, that in his 300th year, he laid down his life. He chose to die. He yeah. did not, like the elves do, he did not just, um, um, what, what it wasn't just killed by old age randomly or wait, yeah. wait until the end, but he he chooses to give up his life, which as the kings, as his, as his ancestors of old, old did, at least the first 2000 years of his ancestors, um, of old. So that's fascinating. I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, and this is the turn, right? This is a, so so twenty two hundred years into. So you, when you think most of the story we hear of Numenor is the three hundred years that occurred after uh, they were faithful ultimately to to the Ban and to yep. the Eldar. and to the Eldar.
0: Everyone likes watching the train wreck.
1: But then they realized the elves are coming for our jobs, <laughs> and we're gonna have to speak out. Sorry. Every time. That's the only reason. All right. So, um, but it's interesting, right? The, the, I love also that Tolkien points out that they were trying to prolong men's days, but all they did was discover formaldehyde or something. <laughs> right. Exactly. They achieved only the art of preserving incorrupt the dead flesh of men, and they filled all the land with silent tombs in which the thought of death was enshrined in darkness oh i love that they filled all the land with silent tombs in which the thought of death right it's 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 you can't escape it it's like esp right it's always there and it was enshrined in the darkness and so the the because the land was filled with that right they couldn't help but see death all around them everywhere all the time and so it made it even worse because now they were celebrating the life of people and you know and, and pointing out that like look they're all dead what can we do to stop this
0: um, and and can... the answer is not much so so, what do they do? they They do what the Romans do. They do what the Egyptians did. they do what uh, what all these great cultures do who become obsessed with death. They then turn more eagerly quote they lived, th- but those that lived turned the more eagerly eagerly to pleasure and revelry, desiring ever more goods and more riches and After the days of Tar and Kaliman, the offering of the first fruits to era was neglected, and the men went seldom any more. To the hollow upon the heights of metal Tarma, in the midst of the land,
2: is this the first mention of uh, worship of Eru by men? Yeah, by men. But okay, so the well, the elves and the Valar were doing that already. They do it. It is mentioned on the mountain in
0: Valinor. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, and then this is this, this. So this is kind of where we're going to end which is which is at the point at which uh we get to to sauron again, um but it points out that though the 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 new uh you know were were diminishing i guess morally culturally in some ways too, because they were celebrating the death of these and in happiness com- in bliss they and were in bliss right um they were still in communication with. Gilgalad keeping their friendship with the elves and lending them aid against Sauron. That's
0: only the elf friends. so oh, sorry, told, that is the elf friends. They've told us about but, the split now, the king's yeah. men and the elf friends. No,
1: yes, right. But the, the other, it's interesting because then there's there's the other side of those great ships of the Numenoreans that were born east on the wind returned ever laden and the power and majesty. And you, you read that earlier. But they drank and they feasted and they clad themselves in silver and gold. And they, which is interesting because somebody, like sometimes we have some really smart people in the comments on on um uh youtube when we post this and somebody pointed out that uh, in the histories of middle earth somewhere and i I'd, I'd have to check on this here but they pointed out that uh there is like there are there are sort of like good 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 parts of the earth and bad and he, tolkien points out that gold has a negative like um what's the word i'm looking for there's a negative aspect associated with gold in a much of uh, what tolkien wrote and i'm gonna look that up but that's hmm. an interesting thing that he, they clad themselves in silver and gold, and they drank, they feasted, and there was a negativity to that. Whereas mithril is a, you know, it's the highest metal, and gold is one of them. Well, it
0: also highest. keeps elves alive, so there's that going for it.
1: <laughs> I knew, I just like <laughs> setting me up with like a big fat underhand softball toss there
0: <laughs> to hit out of the park. But but that it has given me my idea for my next um, <clears throat> my next license plate. I am going to have my next license plate i'm going to try for ellen dilly oh Oh. i I was
1: hoping you would go for unmanned
0: (laughs) no that's going to be the bumper sticker (laughs) biden 2024 witless and unmanned
1: (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) i get too Um, much too much joy out of this
0: i have bliss unlike the minoreans so we have
1: these uh the faithful the elf friends the ellen dilly as -hmm. you say and they came, they're the ones that came north to to, to the land of Gilgalad. And, you know, let me, um, do we have any more to say? Because I have one thing to say. Mm. i close us out here.
2: Close us out, sir. Or Hello. Dan, Hello. you're smacking <laughs> your lips. Well, I was just thinking like, uh, from, from like a wider perspective of like all of the mythology that Tolkien has done, there's, uh, I wonder what he's trying to say in that the, the men that are happy and blessed are those that are friendly with the elves. Um, like it almost seems like they're like, and, and we've already talked about how the elves are those that are bound to the earth and connected to the earth. And I, and I almost wonder if he's trying to say something about, um, the, there's two types of man. There's the man that's full of pride and full of self, um, self-ambition I guess and trying to get immortality but the wrong way and then the ones that seem to be content with where they're placed and they enjoy the earth for the gifts that it has and this connection to the elves is is almost like another way of expressing that connection to the earth and I I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm either mixing up C.S. Lewis or G.K. Chesterton (laughs) but he talks about fairyland I think, I think it's G.K. Chester that K. talks K. about fairly, fairyland and the idea of wonder and yes, and right. being, being willing to uh, just see the good that's in the world and, and be part of that and, and not just force your own way. But it's, I'm probably blending like three or four different authors together. But I, I just wonder what he's trying to say about the Ellen Dilly, the, the, the faithful. Um, that, that, it seems like that's the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be like the faithful. Um, we're supposed to be friends with the Elves, if that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know. I, it does. I mean, clearly, because,
0: not just because they're Elves, but because they hearken to the Lords of the West. So so it's the, they hearken to the Valar, they hearken to the unchanging good. Um, now that the Noldor, the spat with the Noldor has ended and they've, they've all died or been returned to Valinor where they belong, except... Mm. Except Galadriel, but uh, there's a there there is a real wisdom to that. But it's also not where power and might lie.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. So the rise of Sauron is Coming mentioned, up. and that's where we're stopping.
1: Yeah, that, that's where we're stopping. And so uh, today,
0: uh, if you like Tolkien,
1: I think the best look we have at what. Uh, at experiencing a story in Numenor, and I know i have mentioned this many times, is the story of Aldarion and Erendis, which uh, is found in the Unfinished Tales. This is my early copy that I found at a used bookstore. It's one of the first printings. I found a used bookstore recently. Um, but it's, it's a great story of Aldarion, who is a king-in-waiting. I don't think they have princes. Uh, mm-hmm. But who loves the sea so much, he falls in, a, in love with a woman named, named Erendis, uh, and she hates the sea, and he loves the sea, and it leads to much trouble, familial issues, how not to treat your wife, how not to speak to your husband, all this sort of stuff. But it's a great story. It gives you a lot of information about what, what, uh, uh, what Numenor was like in a story tale. And sadly, it ends before it gets going in a way, right? Because it ends with him, with Aldarion, coming back with a message from Gilgalad, and we don't know what that message is. It's like a J.J. Abrams story, right? You get the thing, but you never really open up the thing. It's just a MacGuffin to figure out what it is. But it, it comes in. Tolkien just never finished it. But it's a great story if you get a, you know, like an hour or so to read it. Maybe an hour and a half. That's might might be how long it takes you. I don't, I don't remember how many pages it is. Uh, well, it's probably longer than that. Looks like it's like forty pages or so. Um, but definitely worth your while. Check it out on Unfinished Tales, and uh, yeah, gives you a good insight into the 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 culture of numenor the people of numenor the interactions what they thought of the sea what they did in middle earth a little bit of information about gilgalad and their and 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 just it's got great characters even though kind of like the children of hurin it feels a little bit terrible uh, (laughs) but it's still well worth your while.
0: it's not a totally happy story
1: yeah so that's an unfinished tales i'll put a link to that below too uh all right so next week we'll, we'll we should i'm thinking unless there's too much to talk about finish. The Akalabeth, um, and talk about everything that happens. And really, this is where uh, the rings of power comes from. And, or uh, let me take that back. This is where the rings mm. of power got some names from.
0: Because we right. see right. <laughs> this is this is where the control C and the control <laughs> V comes from.
1: <laughs> it's uh, you get Arpharazon and Muriel. And Ellen Dill, right? The characters that are that are in here that have nothing to do. And like you said, right at the very beginning, to bring this all the way back around, the point of the Numenorians is that they did not want to die, right? They had a desire for eternal life. And Amazon got it wrong from the very start. I mean, they got Galadriel wrong too, and that very first scene we get with her is just ridiculous. But they got the Numenorians who were supposed to be, like we were talking about, the greatest in, like, in power and glory and might, the greatest civilization in the history of all of Middle-earth. Nothing ever surpassed them. They could take on Sauron's armies and they would win. And Sauron, in fact, you know, he, he would have just uh, 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 surrendered without a, a thought because he knew he couldn't defeat the Numenorians. And what do we get in the Rings of Power? We get four ships sailing. To Middle Earth, right? And there's, we get these wide shots of this huge city that looks sort of like it's been copied and pasted in uh, Unreal Engine 5. And then these tight shots of these small hallways and this relatively tiny port and a bay. And it's just, oh, they got so much wrong. So we're going to talk about that in our extended podcast. Um, we are indeed. If you, don't, if you don't want to hear us complain, then I guess don't listen. But you can get that by going to the slash member and signing up and getting the first month free. It's $4 after that.
0: Well, it, and, and I, before, we, before we say goodbye to the freeloaders, I, I want to point out that what we're, one of the things we're going to try to center the talk around is what Tolkien does that modern writers seem incapable of. So he's doing something and they're just completely missing the boat. Literally missing. The, I mean, they're just they're they're missing a lot of boats, actually. But but Whose there's
1: boats are they missing? Would it be the new boats? <laughs> all of Keirdan, the Minorian boats.
0: Or... All, all four <laughs> of the new <Numenorean> boats. <laughs> right. They're missing the boats. They're they're but they just they don't have the ability, and it isn't even. I I'm going to make a point, the point that it isn't even they don't have the ability to see what Tolkien's doing, and they aren't just. It's not that it's, they're not as great a writer as Tolkien. Of course they're not. There have been plenty of writers in the past that have been not as great as Tolkien, even though they don't have modernity um, that they're worshiping. But these writers nowadays, they're, they're giving us what they have in their souls. And what they have is um, weak and thin. And, and that's all they can give us is a weak, thin vision of Numenor or of Galadriel or of anything else. So right. sign up so you guys, you all can listen to us. Yeah.
1: And let's point out that it's not like theres um, there, 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 there are 12 tomes about the history of Numenor, right? We get this vision of a grand, huge, and powerful Numenor in a relatively small amount of text, all things considered. This consistent. is true. And they could have done something great with what was there, but even in a shorter amount of time, and you you can read through pretty much most of what Tolkien wrote about Numenor in less than half the time that... that uh, We've taken to and uh, talk about it. No, no. That Wings of Power took to actually film like in the episodes and half the time of those episodes. And so it, like they, they didn't only fail. They failed incredibly dramatically, even though they had a shot at, at doing something right. great exactly. and had the money to do it. They could have made something. They could have made Aldarion. No, they couldn't have made Aldarion Erendis. That would have been no. impossible. They didn't have the rights to that. So we're going to talk about that in our extended podcast. Go to com slash members to get that. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. and Google and help other people find us. Because we like people, we're people people, and uh, and join us in our Discord chat. Become a member. We'll see you soon next week, finishing uh, Calibeth. But join us in our extended podcast. We'll talk. Bye, freeloaders. See you guys.